Hello and welcome to the Health and Wellness Made Easy podcast. Love the life you already have. I'm your host today, Coach Laura Adair with Compassionate Coaching, and I am so very glad you're here. We're here to bring you a sacred space for stepping into your authentic self, the one you were designed to be. When we can fully embrace who we are at our core, we stop the struggle to be something or someone that we're not, and we can begin to love the life that we already have. Fully embracing who we are and loving ourselves can bring us a deep level of acceptance of who we are and who the other people in our lives are. Thank you again so much for being here. I have a very special guest today, Robin Pollock. Robin is an intuitive and transformational life coach. She specializes in working with people to discover what brings them joy. Using her psychic gifts, she helps people discover how to integrate their inside story with how they live and work. She helps her clients to stop dreaming of the life they want and to start actually living it. The core of her work allows her clients to acknowledge their intuition, their value, and their incredible worth. Welcome to the show, Robin. It's so nice to have you. Nice to be here. Thank you for taking the time to speak to me. Oh, gosh, you're welcome. So we covered a little bit about who you are and what you do in the intro, but please, would you tell us a little more about you, maybe where you're from, what you do, what lights you up? What are you passionate about, Robin? Yeah, so um, interesting to to note is that I lived in New York my entire life, and um, the first time I actually left the city of New York was when I went to college, which was also in New York, but um, in the colder region in Buffalo, and originally when I went there, I knew I wanted to do something in the helping profession, and sort of just tagged onto this idea of wanting to be a nurse, but I very quickly learned wasn't really for me. I sort of just didn't like this idea that I had to spend all this time in school, learning all of this information and always being in the hidden in the background. <laughs> and I think the reason for that is I think I felt like that in my life anyway for most of my life, sort of quieted and hidden in the background. And if I was going to work so hard to get to my degree, I didn't want to hide it. I didn't want to hide it anymore. And so I then explored, took one of those classes, you know, like, you know, which class, which thing do you want to be in your life? One of those courses where they cover like, I don't know, six or seven different helping help professions. And um, it's really funny. I tell the story in the book that I'm writing. And uh, I remember going into the class that day. And the only thing that I was really interested in, to be very honest, was um, getting into a conversation with the guy that was at the end of the row because he was really cute. And I really wasn't interested in what they were talking about in the front. And I kept on passing notes down the line asking if he wanted to go for a beer after class, because in those days you could drink when you were 18. And <laughs> now I'm showing you how old I am. And um, all of that. And then all of a sudden, I sort of just, spidey senses sort of picking up that something was going on in the front. And I turned my head and this woman was just sort of in the front doing some strange things. And I'm like, what is she even doing? She had her hands dangling in front of her face. And I really just didn't get it. And then she just stopped and she looked at the audience and I got a message. 
which I would get from time to time and never knew how to turn them on, never knew how to turn them off. And sometimes they would be on constant replay. One of the places that I always found like a way to quiet it was when I was doing yoga. But besides that, once it started, that was the end of that. So the message came in, no voice is too small to be heard. Mm. That was, that was the, that was the message. So I turned around and I started to listen and she started to talk about speech pathology. And she started talking about how there are people who have voices and messages and they can't get them out. And it sort of just struck me like I need to do that. I just need to do that. And it wasn't until, and I did, I spent 35 years of my life doing that, working with children and families, um, expressing themselves and doing all the things that I could do, getting certified and being highly specialized in this. And I really love it. I love being able to give kids their voice, give families the ability to communicate, um, working with kids to, I remember one poignant moment, a mother was crying because her kid was smiling. It was the first time she ever saw him smile. He couldn't actually get his muscles to move in his lips to form a smile. And he was four and just crying. She just never saw him smile before. So, you know, when you have your life encased in that kind of goodness, you know, it um, really does something for you and really makes you appreciate the small things. Um, it was no surprise to me when I looked back at it, you know, after I did the 35 years <laughs> that I sort of saw that I was, it was all about communication, but the thing that I actually wasn't communicating with or connecting to, or knowing how to connect in the communicative way was my own intuitiveness. Like I just shut that down. I didn't even like allow myself to even explore the avenue. And in my defense, to be very honest with you, I mean, I knew about it when I was really little, but nobody in my family was talking about this. It's not like over dinner, anybody was talking about, oh, you know, did you see that angel come by the house the other day? <laughs> they didn't say that. Or, you know, gee, you know, my spiritual guide just told me last week how, you know, I should really step up to the plate and do things. Nobody was saying any of these things. Meantime, for me, I was having all these lucid dreams about people flying with me, going places, getting messages. I, I really didn't know what to do with any of it. So over the years, I just sort of learned how to hush it, hush mm. it down. And it's really just such a uh, testament to really my life, because I felt like in my life, in my family, I felt like I was always hushed. I was always the one that was too loud, too big, too noisy, too much in all capacities and always felt so hurt by the fact that they thought that about me, that they thought that I was too much, too big to this was just who I was. And I didn't really didn't know how to be anything else than what I was, but I felt like, well, whatever it was that I was, was not good. Mm. Wasn't great. So I don't know. I didn't really get a sense of how to actually be myself. I'm sorry to say until much later on. And the funny thing about it was, is that I knew when I was in the zone you know, when I started to do speech and I was in the zone and I was working with kids and I was making, a you know, headway with them and progress with parents, I knew I was in the zone. I knew I was in the zone when I met my husband and I turned around to his laughter and I knew I knew him. 
and um we fell in love and it was just uh I'm still married to him and you learn how to trust yourself with certain things in my life you know and I went on and I had kids and did all these things but no matter what I did the thing that I couldn't trust was me I was always looking for somebody else to tell me if it was good if it was right if it was this if it was that because I was so used to being wrong And then I would get extremely defensive about the things that I knew I was right about, angry even, but at the same time, feeling extremely scattered, um, unsure, and really wasn't really quite sure about my value, my worth, and the whole idea of trusting myself um, wasn't even something I considered. I didn't even know where to begin And I remember one time somebody said to me when I started this whole coaching process, um, well, you know, do you love yourself? And I started to laugh at them while they asked, they were being very serious. I was like, well, I love myself. Oh, I like, like my hair. I think that's what I responded Hmm. at the time because the concept of loving myself just seems so ludicrous. Like, do people actually do that? Is that like a thing? I remember I kept on thinking that in my head. Is that like a nouveau thing that everybody's talking about loving themselves? I'm like, okay. Um, But I I wasn't getting it. But somewhere around the time that I started doing all this coaching, my stepmother was dying and her and I never really had a great relationship. Um, She sort of came into my life when I was four. My mother passed away from breast cancer and she came into my life. Um, my father, it's another long story, but basically my father found her through a letter that he posted in the Austrian newspaper and she found the letter and came to the United States and really was my governor's, you You know, know, we're going to have fashionable. This is in 1963. So this wasn't like a fashionable thing. We're going to totally have to do another podcast episode with um, more (laughs) of your story on that. Absolutely. For sure. Can we step back just a moment in the self-love thing that you were talking about um, as we got into the coaching and we learned that, you know, it's going to be important to um, be secure in who we are and to love ourselves in order to be able to coach other people to do that. And I know, you know, I, um, the listeners won't be able to see your face when you said, is that like, you mean, I like my hair, you know, like, who am I? Do I love myself? Is that a thing? And I think, you know, what a great question. Do you, do you remember the first time you were asked to tell yourself that you love yourself and what the response there was? Sure. I, I even was like a whole exercise. I remember I was at a retreat and we were supposed to all do this. And we were supposed to use a mirror and it was a whole thing. And then yeah. we were holding the mirror up for our partner. And I don't know. I, I really, I, I couldn't connect to it. I couldn't yeah. relate to it. Um, I know other people we were totally connecting. They were like crying. It was like a whole thing, all revelation. And I'm like going, okay, you know, but I didn't really feel it. Mm-hmm. And I didn't feel connected to that part of myself. And the only thing that I could see in terms of like appreciating was what was on the outside and appreciating what was on the inside for me. I couldn't, I could appreciate liking and loving some of the qualities that I had, you know, that I was compassionate, that I was patient, that I was giving that I loved, but anything else about myself. And I guess you could say those are parts of me, 
but I didn't really understand that whole idea. And it really didn't come to me until I started to one day realize that I really needed to explore this intuition part of myself, that I really needed to figure that part of myself out, that I had to like open that box. And I, um, started to do a speaking engagement at this place. And how funny is this? The place that I started to speak at was called intuition. I mean, how how ironic is that? (laughs) You think someone's telling me something? And uh, yeah. And so I went there and she was doing a retreat and um, the lights were off when I walked in. And the reason for that was because I was having basically another download and having a heart attack and anxiety about even going to this. I knew it was going to be a big event for me. And when I stepped into the place, the room was dark and the lights go on. This is another story I tell in my book. And this woman is standing right in front of me. And she says, there's somebody behind you who wants to give you a message. Can I share it with you? And so I said, sure. And she said, she wants me to tell you to tell them, this is what she's saying, that I'm okay. And I knew right away it was my stepmother. She had passed. And I just thought that that was such an ironic thing. Like out of all the people in the world to convey messages to, the only time that she would actually trust me to give a message would be the time that she couldn't connect to my brother and my father because they were not open to this information. It would only be through me. So I thought it was kind of ironic that now she actually needed me to share this information. And that was just interesting. So I, in the future, I started connecting with this person and she became like my mentor. And very, very quickly, I started stepping into this intuition process and through under letting go of the ideas that I wasn't good enough through letting go of the idea that I didn't have any value, that the things that happened in my life weren't actually meant to happen. And the concepts that go around that when you go into the work of ascension, when I started to go into that space and really trust myself. Now, if you ask me if I love myself, I have a whole other answer. Oh, tell us, do you love yourself, Robin? I do. And not only do I love myself, I really appreciate and value all that I am. Yeah. Yeah. And all the gifts that I have and all the other gifts that I get to step into in the future. Because the thing about personal growth is it doesn't end. No, it just continues. Yeah. It's a lifetime process for sure. Yeah, And learning how to love ourselves and each other. Just a little bit more every day. That's one of the things I'm doing in my Facebook group right now is how can you love your life just a little bit more? How can you love yourself just a little bit more today? You know, that 1% forward, 1% forward. And um, mm-hmm. that that's the journey of a lifetime is just to continue doing that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. My dad died in July, but for a very long time, I didn't really have a great relationship with him. And so intuitively, I knew I had to set a course for how do I create energy to create a space for me to be able to foster this relationship? So I started creating a timeline, something that I teach people who want to go into ascension. And I created a timeline in my mind of what my experience would be like at his house in a nurturing, fostering, compassionate way. 
And I did this every time I went to his house and it shifted our relationship completely. Yeah. And one of the things I always told him when he was sad or depressed is, can you do something in your day for five minutes that would bring you joy? And as he got closer and closer to dying, I would say, well, can you find joy for one minute? Yeah. And it's just such an important concept. And it sounds so um, plain, but the truth is, is when you actually experience joy, you are allowing your frequency to elevate to a place that joy is the frequency that you are experiencing. Yeah. And you get to see life through the lens of joy. And when you can experience life through the lens of joy, you are also in the, in the realm of love mm-hmm. and love and joy in that frequency well, then you're just at an elevated, higher frequency. So then when things come at you from a lower frequency, people who test your boundaries, people who are energy suckers, you can sort of see them like an eagle high on the mountain. Mm-hmm. And you notice that energy coming at you and you sort of just go, okay. And you let it roll off your back. Yeah. I always say that you create like a Teflon coating. And you don't allow yourself to absorb the energy. What a lot of people don't know was that when you're empathic, it usually happens because there's been some trauma in your life. And so those skills, those intuitive skills that we all have, mm-hmm. that intuition comes to the, to the foreground and that you become an expert at reading the energy in the room for survival. Yes, it becomes a matter of survival. I was just going to say, and I've heard other people's stories and it's very close to my own too. It's sort of like, you know, we had to know what the emotional barometer was. Right. right? You know, when you walk into the room, you know, is it going to be an explosion or a welcoming embrace? Right. You know, and so that's, it's beautiful. And when you talk about everyone having intuition, we do, we seriously do. And if we just simply look at it, you know, there it is, right? How do you, how do you guide people kind of briefly into well, what I always, recognizing the intuition, right? Well, what I tell people is I tell them one story that everybody can relate to. <laughs> Think about your favorite flavor ice cream. And everybody's going to have one, mm-hmm. right? And think about like how it fills you up with joy and, and happiness whenever you have it. You know, and the flavor is in your mouth and it feels really great. Right. So now pick a flavor you would never pick. And how does that feel in your body? Yeah. Yucky. Even the concept of eating it. Right. So that feeling that happens when you're eating a thing of joy sort of comes into your heart. Like you're accepting it all into your heart. But when you think about the thing that you don't want, you're pushing it away. You're pushing it away. And so when you think about things that happen in your life and you're not really sure, I always tell people, is it pulling into your heart or is it pulling away? And that gauge is a real good gauge to play with when you're sort of developing your intuition, because everybody understands that ice cream is ice cream. 
it's one of those concepts that everybody gets worldwide. <laughs> <laughs> I love you know? that game. <laughs> yeah, right. So, you know, you just sort of like you understand that. And if you can't wrap your head around the idea about ice cream, you can think about it like music. Sure. Don't walk into the car. You ever go into a car of somebody else's car and they have the music blaring and it's not your music. You can't wait <laughs> to know where the volume is to turn it down. Sure. Right. But sometimes you walk into somebody's car and you love it. Right. And then you just like groove into the tunes. But viscerally, you have a reaction to it. Either you love it or you just don't. And there's no in between. It's just that we as people, you know, as humans, right, have been taught so much to be respectful, kind, giving, thoughtful in relationships that we are in, whether it be to your sibling, your mother, your father, your rabbi, your priest, your teacher, whoever is in your life, we're taught at a really early age how we're supposed to behave, you know? So we let a lot of things go, and we're with a lot of people that we necessarily want to be with. But the truth is, is that we can tell right away when we want to be with a person and when we don't. Sure. And I bet you everybody has a story of being online in some store somewhere and you have a conversation with a person you never met. And you feel like you've known them your whole life. Mm hmm that conversation. So you viscerally know, you can feel it in your body when somebody is in, you know, that in alignment with who you are. Absolutely. And I think one of the things that may be easier for some of us anyway, to feel at first is those that are out of alignment with who we are. It's sort of like, you know, when you're in the presence of somebody and they just kind of give you the heebie-jeebies or right. you feel this sort of like, I can't wait to get away from this person, or I don't want them to sure. stand close to me. If they're in my bubble, you need to get the hell out. Like <laughs> that can be an, almost easier for us to recognize in some instances, those that are not in alignment. And, you know, I think it's up to us and our responsibility in claiming our personal power to set up a boundary. Like if somebody's in our life that is not having our highest interest at heart to, you know, not continue in that situation, because I think it'll just suck your soul dry to stay in a situation that's not good for you that way. That's true. I mean, I think that's that people pleaser part of yeah. people, you know, and I think that the reason for that is because um, I think we were talking about it before is that we forget that the thing that we have to honor the most, the relationship that we have to honor the most is the one to ourselves. Oh yeah. yeah. And not to everyone outside of ourselves, but you know, it's not really our fault that we are thinking that way. It's the way we were brought up from the time we were really little. And I don't know about you guys, but I've never was told, well, gee, what do you think about that for your soul? Nobody ever asked me that. Or what does your soul think about that? Yeah. That question I didn't fool around with until I was in my fifties. And I started to realize that I don't have to do it the way everybody else is doing it, that I get to call it the way I want to do it. And the interesting thing is in all of this, I learned about um, soul plan reading, which is really all based on the frequency of the letters of your name. A lot of people know about human design, um, but this is based on numerology and astrology, and it's um, based on the letters of your name. And it was done channeled. They're channeled messages that somebody got 
from basically from the text of Moses, um, from the Zephyr and a man named Blue Marsden, who's in England, transcribed these channels from a man named Frank Alper, who first got these downloads. And when you learn all the symbols and the numerology about it, it's based on the what people recognize as the star of David, but it's also looked on from another, a lot of other religions, also that star. And basically that star is supposed to be a three-dimensional star so that you yourself are in the center of the upside down triangle and the right and the triangle that faces the sky. And the one that right faces the bottom, the root, like you're towards your feet is really based on worldly what you need to know about the world. It's worldly challenges, worldly talents, worldly goals. And those things usually happen in your early parts of your life. And as you start to let go of the judgments and you start to accept them as gifts, like what did they actually bring to my life? What were the things that they actually allowed me to learn about myself or about the world? You start to get into this spiritual domain, which is the triangle on the top. And that's, again, spiritual talents and spiritual goals and spiritual challenges and the duality of all of those symbols and the representation of how they dance together is actually what creates your soul's destiny. Oh, wow. And it's um, fascinating. Really, really cool. And um, I actually do small groups where I take people through that information and then give them a personal reading about it. Um, but what's really so cool is that you don't have to, you do it for, for personal reasons. And then you can use that information also for business. I changed my Facebook business name from, I think it was originally Robin, Robin Pollock or Robin Schoen Pollock, something like that. And I switched it because I started playing around with the letters in my soul plan to Robin Pollock coaching. And I could see that the energy from that name brought Mm -hmm. so much more light into it. So I just changed it. And overnight I attracted a hundred more followers. (laughs) So it's interesting when you start looking at what energy can bring to you, what you can bring in to your life with energy then you see how everything shifts. I mean, we all know about energy, right? If you have an understanding about um, how you feel around certain people, you go to a party and you like somebody, don't like somebody, it's energy. When you do any kind of work and intuitive work, it's all about energy. That's really what we're talking about. And so energy is in everything. It's in money, it's in relationships, it's in how you relate to things in the world. And frequency is just another form of energy. So when you start to think about everything just being all knit down to energy, then it starts to make a lot more sense. And it's all about surrendering the idea that it can't be such a thing, that that can't actually exist. But when you think about it, we are already doing it. And all the people who haven't actually stepped into their intuition, I want you to ask yourself, what things are you already trusting that you can't touch? And you're going to say nothing. And I'm going to tell you you're wrong. Because if you love anybody in your life, that's an intangible thing. Love is a feeling. It's a frequency that you are experiencing in your heart, but you can't actually touch it. It's something you just know. Yeah. Yeah. Something that you feel. 
It is, you know, yeah, absolutely. And so um, I love that we're kind of doing a little segue into love because the name of the podcast is Health and Wellness Made Easy, Love the Life You Already Have. And I'm wondering, so what do you think is really key for people to learn? You know, maybe tools, techniques, stories, learning to love the life that they have. What, what, how would you answer that? I think that the first thing that you actually have to do is really recognize that you have worth sitting right where you are right now, listening to your podcast, whoever's listening to your podcast right now, wherever you are in this particular moment in time that you have value and worth without doing anything that you don't have to accomplish anything, be anything more than you are in, in between the breaths that you take while you're listening that that in, inside of itself is a gift that actually being here and experiencing all that you're experiencing has worth and that you're allowing yourself to receive this information has worth. And so when you start to see all the things that you are surrounding yourself with and that are within you, and you start to see the gifts that you already have right in front of you from your life. And you let go of the idea that you're a victim. You let go of the idea that you have to do something to feel value or to be seen as valuable. Yeah. So I'm wondering how you help people to realize their worth and let go of those things, because some of those things are really deeply ingrained in us and you can't just go, well, just let go of it, Laura. And I'm like, yeah, when you pry it from my cold, dead fingers, honey. <laughs> right. So tell me a little bit about how you work with people to help them step into their value and their worth. Well, one of the things that um, we do is we talk about whatever's coming up in their life and what's the positives and what are the negatives and what do they want to actually experience? I always start with what is the dream space that you operate in? What's that dream that you actually want to create and what's stopping you from creating that dream? And most of the time people will be very pragmatic about it, you know, and they'll say, Oh, you know, I really would love to do a book, but you know, and then come all the house but I don't know how to write it and I don't know how to do it. And I don't think people are really going to want to hear it. And I don't think people are going to want to listen to it. And I don't even know if I can write it and all of the house start pouring in. Mm -hmm. So then I take them back to the beginning of that dream. And I ask them, where do you feel it? Where do you feel it in your body? That dream? Where is it? And they'll tell me. And most of the time, nine out of 10, it's usually in either their throat or their heart. Most of the time. Or both. <laughs> yeah, right. And then yeah. I'll say, and so that thing that's holding you back, where does that live? Yeah. yeah. In your yeah. body. And most of the time they'll either tell me it's in their solar plexus or in their root. And so you might be saying, what am I talking about? And so I am a master Reiki healer, but there's a lot of different ways to use energy in Reiki. And even if I do not do it hands-on, I still am in touch with 
that energy. And I know that if your fear is lodged in your root and lodged in your sacral area, right, then that has to be resolved before it can move into your heart, which means you have to let go of the idea that that fear actually has a hold on you. So we have to, we have to like, look at that fear and actually know that the tendrils of that fear are showing up because they're trying to communicate actually something positive to you. So for the longest time, I thought I wasn't a writer. The whole time my life, I kept being told from teachers, everyone in the world, you know, oh, you don't have any grammar skills. You stink at spelling. You know, you do run on sentences nonstop. So in my head, I'm going, you're not a writer. You're not a writer. You're not a writer. And so for the longest time, I kept on writing my book by dictating it. Because the concept of even typing it created so much anxiety for me yeah. that I actually had to speak my book. And then when I saw those words come to the life, then I could edit them. Then I could go from there. But I had so much fear based around that because of what I knew. And so I had to say, OK, so how is this fear showing up for me being afraid to do this? actually a present how is it a gift because the truth is is when that fear shows up and you're angry at the fear you're like if just that fear wasn't there then i could be what i want to be right so you have to look at that fear and go okay so how are you showing up to help me actually get to where i want to go how are you showing up in my life to actually spiral me forward instead of holding me back? Yeah. And what I want to say is when you allow yourself to be in a triangle of victimhood, right? When you open the door to the victimhood, there is no more victimhood. But yeah. the only one who can really open the door to allowing yourself to be encased in that fear and that victim mentality is yourself. You have to decide, well, I'm not going to tell that story anymore to myself. That's not the story I want to tell. And sometimes more than sometimes you need another set of ears, a coach who could listen to what you're saying and remind you, well, that's actually not the story that you're in anymore. That's an old story. Yeah. That you're actually have done this, 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 this past all of those fears. So why not this one too? Oh, for sure. And let's stop feeding that fear because I love the way that you framed that and that it has, you know, there is a gift in the fear and it's showing you something, you know, and there is a positive intention for sure. And that, okay, here's the fear. Here's where you feel it. Here's what's keeping you from moving forward in your life. And how can we rewrite that story. There's some of my previous podcasts, so I went pretty deep into that. What's the story you're telling yourself? Where, what, you know, what part of you is keeping you from achieving that, that dream, that, that heart like joy that comes from what it is that you want to do. And, and working with a coach, I think it's so important. Uh, a coach, or, you know, your priest, your spiritual advisor, whoever, whoever it happens to be to mirror back to you 
what they see, right? You know, um, because sometimes we get so wrapped up in it, we become it and we can't see it because we're too close to it. But I'll, but I have something to add about that. Yeah, and do. I want, and I want to just say that in our lives, we all have a story, sure. you know? And so if you would have asked me when I was five or six, what my story is, I would have told you, oh, I'm the middle child. I have an older sister and I have an older brother and I live in a house. Hmm. And then when I got older, it was, oh, I'm a speech therapist and I went to college and I have this career. And then I got older and it was that I'm married and I have two kids and I'm a speech pathologist. And then it evolved and evolved and evolved. Yeah. So we actually change our story all the time. Sure. So, but when you change the story that you're telling, you also have to let go of the one you're not telling anymore. Mm-hmm. That's, I love that. I love to look at, at both sides of that. That's a really great reminder for sure. Yeah. Oh, I can stop telling that story. <laughs> right. Like that's not who I am anymore. Right. You know, if the story um, I have had uh, topsy-turvy past and history, you know, and, um, I used to think I was quite the loser, right. You know, and that whole, I'm not enough thing <laughs> was yeah. like, you know, who's going to like me because I'm such a loser. Right. And when we stop telling that story and when we embrace one that supports our dream, everything changes. And I know we talked earlier a little bit about perspective yes. and, you know, you have a great podcast for helping change the perspective and yes. it's so, so valuable because it really, it changes everything. Yeah. You know, like I I have this saying that um, I tell my kids all the time is that, you know, you can have the worst day in the world, the worst day. So you take a shower, you do something kind for yourself, Mm. do a little self-care, and then you wake up in the morning and you have another perspective. Yeah. You don't have to sit in the perspective of what that bad day represented. And sometimes, more than sometimes, I feel like those things come to us so that we can shift the way we're actually perceiving them. Because you could look at a rainy day as being a rainy day, or you could look at a rainy day as an opportunity to catch up on some reading. Sure. And it's all about the perspective, right? So I used to get into these conversations because people, will stop me on, you know, I'm shopping and people will just literally stop me and tell me (laughs) stories. I'll be like paying for something in Marshall's and the cashier will just basically tell me their entire life story while I'm buying a potholder. It just happens a lot. And um, my daughter is always walking up in the parking lot waiting for me because she's like, why are you giving these people your time? And I'm like, there's something that's telling them to unload it on to me, to share it with me. And I am not the holder of the stories of the people around. That's not my job. But sometimes being able to feel like you can share your stories is the catalyst for you to be able to hear it and change it. Yeah. And that we get to be our own catalyst. For sure. And you know what? We all want to be heard. And if, if, you know, if we have that gift of letting people feel like they're heard, I think that is just so important. 
It is. And at the same time, you know, sometimes it's okay to say, I don't have any time right now. Oh, well, sure. (laughs) (laughs) I love that you just balance that stuff out. It's beautiful. But, you know, yeah, listening to stories and being heard and, and, you know, I think the most valuable gift that we can give anyone in our life is our attention. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I also want to flip it on the other side is that there are a lot of people out there who are interested in intuition and who are interested in like even turning up their intuition just a little bit more. And I want them to to ask themselves, are you the kind of person who's a doer? Are you the kind of person who's a fixer? Are you the person who's always doing for somebody else above and beyond? Because if that's who you are, you also have to be a receiver yeah. because being a receiver of all of that also allows you to receive information from the universe, from what's around you. Yeah. And I want to tell everybody a little trick. Sometimes when you're in a space and you're looking for answers and you don't know what you're supposed to be doing, I want you to, to look outside the window or even in your house and ask in your head, in your mind, you ask that you need information in a way you understand it. Show me information so that I know what to do in this situation. You open your eyes and look at the first three things you see and then look at them and write them down and ask yourself, okay, so what's the message in that? What am I What am I taking from that information? Because people always think that some big cloud's going to come in the formation of a heart or a horse cloud is going to combine. They're going to know they're in the right direction or they're going to get some big, you know, Mercedes driving by that's red and that's going to indicate something. And And then the angels sang. Or like they'll see angel wings in the sky. I mean, then sometimes you do get those kinds of things and it's gorgeous and beautiful, but sometimes it's subtle. Sometimes you're walking around and you see this flower in the middle of two pieces of concrete and you understand that things can blossom where it's difficult for them to grow. Sure. And you understand that on another level, you know? So you just get to look at things and really understand that all that information that's coming to you is a gift to you Hmm. when we open our eyes and let ourselves see it. That's awesome. Absolutely. For sure. And just seeing the, wow. The abundance and the gifts in our everyday life, if we just kind of open up our eyes and look around. Right. That's beautiful. It is. So before we get uh, to the part where how can we get in touch with you and any special (laughs) offerings you might have and all of that good stuff. Is there anything that we didn't uh, talk about that you'd like to add? I have a um, free group on Facebook. It's called Amplify Your Intuition, and it's a free Facebook group. And I go in there. It's called Tune In Tuesdays. And if you show up live, if you're the first one, you get a free intuitive reading with me in another day. And if you show up live, I pull a card from you because I can read cards for you based just on the letters of your name. I read your name in messages in the message that you're there. You say, hi, I'm here. And I see your name and I can get your energy and I read a card for you. And um, it's something that I do every week on Tuesdays. Sometimes I even do it on TikTok or I do it on Instagram, but um, it's a free group. And if you are like-minded and interested, I encourage you to join. 
Awesome. I'll make sure to post a link below today's episode on your Facebook group. And then um, your website is at robinspollock.com or Robin Pollock? It's robinspollock.com. Believe it or not, Robin Pollock was taken. So oh. I, had to, <laughs> I had to use my S. I know. How to use my ass. Yeah. And um, I do, like I said, I do have a book coming out in October. Um, and it's really all about these stories that I've been sort of sharing here. But what's really super cool about this book is that I wrote this, the titles, and there are 41 of them in the span of three hours. I just sat down and I, they all came channeling through me. And I thought that that was my book. And then my coach that I was working with said, well, what if you could write a story for every one of those channels? And so I did. Oh, it's taken me three years to get there. Mm -hmm. And then within each essay, there is another channeled message and another meditation so that everybody gets to experience it on all levels and that you get to read the book in any order that you see fit. And they all have affirmations. So whatever it is that you're seeking, you get the story behind that affirmation Mm. so that you can step into that yourself. Oh, I can't wait till the book comes out. We're going to have to uh, take a close look (laughs) at your Facebook page and your group to see when that book's going to come out because I'm ready for a copy right now. Robin, thank you so much for your time and your love and your pleasure being a part of the podcast. It's just awesome to have you here. I thank you so, so very much. Oh, well, thank you for your time and thank your audience for giving me the time. Mm, You bet. Be sure to check back for more episodes coming soon, my friends. You can find out more information about me at laurajadair.com, where you'll find all my coaching program details and offerings. And until next time, my friends, how can you love yourself just a little more today? Today.